on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. And while people are still on X, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on every other platform you can find, being very, very normal about what happened on SmackDown, we also had an NXT pay-per-view tonight, so I'm going to talk about that instead because weirdos are being weird and need to touch grass. NXT Vengeance Day took place tonight, and it was a lot of fun. And I want to say this right off the bat. This was... This was what the Fastlane pay-per-view used to be before WrestleMania, because when Fastlane became Elimination Chamber, and Elimination Chamber became as much a part of WrestleMania as the Royal Rumble, things changed a little bit. But before that, when it was just Fastlane, because you were on the Fastlane, on the road to WrestleMania, it was just sort of the last stop. And yes, that's the cliche that they used at the time. But it was like, whatever happens here, whatever fuckery happens at Fastlane, is going to set up what you see at WrestleMania. This show, while I think it was a lot of fun in its own right, and it had its, its own headlines, this show was very much the go-home pay-per-view for Stand and Deliver. And Stand and Deliver already looks fucking great. Um, started off on a bit of a bad note. It was announced on Twitter earlier today that Booker T would not be part of the show tonight. He's gone in for some kind of medical procedure. It's not detailed. I mean, he doesn't have to tell us anything, really. It's his own fucking business. But apparently he's going to be out for, I think he said a couple of weeks. So by the time we get into WrestleMania season slash stand and deliver season, he should be good to go. But he was replaced by Wade Barrett. Now, I said on uh, on Twitter, oh my god, I wonder who's going to replace him. Will we get somebody fun? Will we get somebody different? I had sort of speculated that it would be kind of cool. CM Punk's injured. Let him sit in for a night and do commentary because he has done that before in in AEW and in WWE. You know, uh, asking Triple H, hey, can I borrow your blazer? Remember that? Um... So I thought that would have been really cool, but when I sit back and think about it, the most logical choice for them to use was Wade Barrett, because Wade Barrett was the last person to sit in Booker T's seat. So him and Vic Joseph rekindled their, um, whatever you want to call it, their camaraderie on commentary, and it started off with them on the rampway announcing the finals of the Dusty Cup, because that was our first match. Now you knew... With Trick also being in the main event, you would probably start off with this match, because anybody anybody that's pulling double duty on a pay-per-view, and I'm talking about the real person behind the characters, you know, you want to give them rest between one and the other. You wouldn't want to put the Dusty Classic in the semi-main. Now, if that wasn't the case, I would have liked to have the Dusty, the Dusty Cup sort of a little higher on the card, not only because I think the Dusty Cup deserves it, but also... There was no tag team title match on tonight's card because the family was in the street fight that we're going to talk about. But if you're not going to have a title represented on the show, then the number one contenders match sort of takes over that spot. I don't know if you agree. Let me know down in the box below. And the Dusty Cup, while the Dusty Cup is a thing unto itself, they have also turned it into a number one contenders, like a really, really prestigious number one contenders match. Like there was the Rumble, and then eventually they said the Rumble uh, winner gets a shot at a title at WrestleMania. We don't need, this is an NXT thing, we're not doing WWE stuff right now because everybody's very, very testy right now. Anyways, starting off with the Dusty Finals, uh, Trick and Mello taking on the Wolf Dogs. Now, I will say, Trick and Mello are an awesome team. They both have really cool entrances. The way that NXT has lazily laced their two pieces of music together is 
terrible because people get involved in tricks music whereas Carmelo's music is just a cool entrance thing so you had the audience kind of starting and stopping you had you had Wade Barrett doing his Booker T impression which I'm sure will go over like a lead balloon because it's February it's not the last time I'm going to mention that it's February the Wolf Dogs both came out on on motorbikes looking like Steiner Brothers and all that kind of thing um Breaker had a really I want to I want to talk about this match because these these four are really really cool the um the Wolf Dogs, despite every bit of logic pointing to otherwise, are a really fun, charismatic asshole team. And Trick Mellow are an established team, so even though they are, you know, doing this dissension in the ranks thing, they've you can't take out the element that they have worked together a lot, so they're not gonna fight like a new team. Um, Breaker went for the ropes at some point, and I think he went just under the under the rope instead of leaning against the rope and I he hung himself up in some kind of way where I think he hit his face on the top rope because he had a cut across his forehead for the rest of the match which is terrifying because you don't want to see anybody like fuck their neck up obviously but it's the fact that like he almost seemed pissed off at himself and like fought twice as hard for the rest of the match so I was like I hope that's not just adrenaline I hope that adrenaline doesn't wear off and then we find out that he's actually injured because that's a shitty shitty take but he's got that chaotic energy where he punched himself in the face and got up and fought harder for it um breaker also insane doing the double fall away slam and, and any double move is is badass anyway like you go back to the days where john cena was being established as super cena and he would always do the double aa and i mean carmelo hayes is no small dude in his own right but look at the size of trick williams so now trick williams plus another body really really cool um Corbin on both guys whipping them both around like empty tracks it's reminding us that the deep six really should be a finisher Mello eats a spear for his partner, and the Wolf Dogs get the win. He's, uh, I don't think Trick's the legal man in the match anyway, but that it was in the broken down portion of the match anyway. But basically, Breaker was coming for him. Mello sort of put himself in front of Trick, ate the spear. Wolf Dogs get the win. And I love this. I really do love this. And I have covered it on NXT Rewind, if you go back uh, a couple of episodes. The first ever Dusty Classic. Baron Corbin was in that, tag teaming with Rhino in very much a similar, like, we're both assholes and we're both going to hurt people, why don't we be a tag team? But they were going up against... Um, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe that night, so you knew who was going to win that. I really do think it's cool that Wade Barrett made a point of mentioning on commentary that this was a bit of vindication for Corbin, who was in the very first Dusty Classic and finally got his win back. I thought that was a nice touch. I didn't think that they would mention that too much, and they didn't harp on it throughout the tournament, but uh, at least in the end, when he got his win, um, he got a little nod that way. I thought that was really, really cool. The next match up on the docket was the one that was added just last week, which is Dijak versus Gacy in a street fight. Gacy, I thought he would have new entrance music, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's just him laughing a whole bunch and a whole bunch of those uh, like Purge-style masks of him and then a bunch of his face and then the old music from when he was a cult leader. And, I mean, Dijak's entrance is still Dijak's entrance. It's a combination of Sin City and Terminator, which is absolutely fine. He comes out in his jacket and his sunglasses, you know, all those things that make him apparently a takeoff of Kenny Omega, which doesn't make any sense at all. And 
It's a plunder brawl. It wasn't anything to write home about, I'm not going to lie. It started out with both of them having policemen's nightsticks, which I'm sure aggravated the February folks. Um, they had all kinds of toys and, and different stuff. There was a, pr a promo with him on the pre-show where one of the one of the ladies in the back, whose name escapes me, I'm sorry, was trying to interview him, and he was just testing out different implements on the wall to see how, how good an impact they would make. That was a lot of fun. Um, he sets up a table on the outside, and we're gonna, okay, we're gonna go for some table spots. Um, but he open, empties out this big bucket of toys, and I thought they were gonna go for the cliche, okay, if you don't go for thumbtacks and, and barbed wire and broken glass, you go the other way and you pour out the bucket of Lego. It wasn't quite that. It was little toy race cars and little toy army men, but he took the time to, like, stand up all the army men just to be like, I'm a bit crazy, check this shit out. And then they they kind of left it, and I'm like, okay, later on down the line, somebody's going to get thrown through it. But they did this really cool thing, actually, because, I mean, the size of Dijak, the size of Joe Gacy, you're not going to have a whole lot of gymnastics. But Dijak was on the apron. Gacy was in the ring. Dijak, from the apron, tried to springboard into the ring. Gacy caught him in midair and threw him out of the ring and through the table with all the toys on it. Which, I mean, again, it's it's not a move that's going to set the world on fire, but it, you wouldn't picture these guys doing that. And to go from a springboard to being caught in midair to being thrown back first out of the ring towards floor and implements and table and all that kind of thing, I have to imagine that wasn't the best way to spend your Sunday night. But then, back in the ring, not only does Joe Gacy blindfold Dijak, he blindfolds him with duct tape. Yeah. Blindfolds him with duct tape, which I thought was really cool, and gives him a beatdown with the with the kendo sticks, etc. Um, fighting out of that beatdown, fighting blindly, it, it, it was sort of darkly comical, I'm not going to lie, but uh, Dijak actually does manage to hit the feast your eyes, but then he can't find him for a pin. So that's interesting. I mean, eventually he peels it off, and just watching him peel it off, I mean, it's a good thing the guy's got short hair, he's not dealing with anything like that, but still, peeling duct tape off of your face and the back of your head and your eyes, etc., can't be fun. Hits a second, feast your eyes, Dijek gets the win, and Gacy's laughing while he gets pinned. This is going to go to something else. Um... It's not at the top of the card. It's very, very middle of the card, put this between two other serious matches type stuff. But if they elevate this properly, I could see them doing a, like a weapons cage match or something along those lines uh, at Stand and Deliver. And I wouldn't mind it because there's nowhere else really that Dijak fits, and there's nowhere else really that Joe Gacy fits. Now, Joe Gacy is currently playing a character who's literally trying to find out where he fits, so that works for him, but I don't think they're going to put another really, really interesting story together between now and, uh, between now and Stand and Deliver, unless, unless they go the route of making them an odd couple tag team, which I really don't need to see, quite frankly. Um... Unless they're going to do an odd couple tag team match against uh, Trey Bearhill and the other guy whose name I can never remember, which is terrible, but I'm speculating off the top of my head at this point. So, Gacy got his ass kicked and enjoyed himself because he's crazy. Dijak kicked his ass and enjoyed himself because he enjoys kicking ass. Absolutely fine. Moving from there to something a little... 
A little all over the place, I'm not going to lie. OTM versus the family in the six-person tag. I thought going into this match, because OTM have the numbers disadvantage... Or, no, num OTM has the numbers advantage. Sorry, because they have scripts in their corner. I thought this would be a really fun way to bring back Two Dimes, but I don't pay enough attention to the other company to know whether Two Dimes is still in that company or not. Not saying anything against him. If the family was still the family, Tony would uh, have a singles title and Stax and Two Dimes would have been the tag champions. And We don't need to talk about it, but... It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of pantomime stuff as well. I mean, the family have, like, their sort of signature thing. When to when Tony D does the, the headlock and the gut shots, it's kind of like... Um Kind of like when hockey players do the jersey gut shots, but not every wrestler has a shirt that you can jersey with, so it just headlock, gut shots, Stax gets another guy, headlock, gut shots, the Riz gets in there and she's got the headlock and the gut shots and whatever the case may be. The, the ladies weren't featured very much in this match. It was very much the guys were having a match and the ladies were brawling sort of around them, which isn't the greatest, I'll agree. Um... OTM, I said it in the preview, I'm not really into them as an act, not gonna lie. They kept it super simple. It was power game stuff. It was chuck the guys around because you're bigger stuff. And it was, hey, we've got a manager on the outside, so there's scripts, fuckery stuff. Tony, uh, Tony D gets a hot tag at one point and does an absolutely insane just series of suplexes and slams on the other two big guys. Uh, as they brawl on the outside, Scripps goes for some version of a Superman punch off the steps, and Tony swats him out of midair, just in time to roll back into the ring and hit a cradle-suplex pinning combination on one of the OTM members, and the family gets the win. The Riz gets a... I don't know what you want to call it. Frog splash, frog splash press onto the pile on the outside at one point, but it's not exactly Tiffany Stratton swan-tawning into the Royal Rumble, is it? But then few things are. We go to the back. The family got the win. It was a feel-good win. I went into this, honestly, thinking I want the family to win, but OTM are the new team. They're the ones that need to win, and also it's February. Uh, really, really surprised to get the feel-good win from the family. They're a fun uh, gimmick, and I don't... Switching from subjective to objective, I don't know, I don't really have a good feel for how over OTM is. OTM is over in the performance center, but as most critics of NXT will tell you, uh, just about everything is over in the performance center, so it's not really a thing. In the back, we got Trick and Mello, they're talking to each other, Trick's looking at his buddy saying, why would you take that sh shot from me? Like, why Why would you take the bullet? He's like, well, you, you're my buddy, you got a title shot tonight. Hey, don't worry, I know, you gotta do this on your own, you, you, you don't need me there. Actually, Trick says, nah, this is the biggest night of my life, I do need my, my buddy by my side, my brother by my side. And, uh, and, uh, the places, or sorry, the pieces are in place, not the places are in peace. That doesn't work. The pieces are in place for our main event later on tonight. We switch over to a Stand and Deliver ad. It's the first ad for Stand and Deliver, but Stand and Deliver has already been spoken about 
so much because they've been trying to sell the the WrestleMania surrounding packages where you get the SmackDown Hall of Fame uh, combo show and then you get NXT and then you get the following Monday. So they've been trying to sell that package for a while. So Stand and Deliver has been in the conversation for a long time, but seeing the, actu the first actual Stand and Deliver ad is still a thing because it's a pay-per-view and we, and we advertise the next pay-per-view. It's all good. It's all very uh, admin, check-the-box type stuff. Roxanne Perez versus Lyra Valkyria. Now, I predict that people are not going to like how this match went, but I liked it. And as I said at the beginning of the, of the review, if you're setting up stuff for Stand and Deliver, I think this did a really good job, and I'll get to that in a second. Um... Just a really, I don't have any specific notes other than to say just a really fantastic work rate uh, women's match between Roxanne and Lyra, which isn't a surprise. I do want to point out that at one point there was a very unreal German suplex by Lyra Valkyrie. I put Roxanne Perez down on her fucking heed. We're getting a roll of steam. Roxanne Perez is, is building up the, the momentum. Uh, the match is going in her favor. And then we hear music that I still don't recognize because it's not a character that I'm really into. Not going to lie. Lola Vice comes in with her money... Or, sorry. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Basically, she treated it like a Money in the Bank briefcase, but it was her NXT breakout tournament contract. And they were very... They were very... Uh, careful to say that she wasn't cashing in. She was executing her breakout contract, which is fine. Turned it into a triple threat match. All the typical questions that come up when things become a triple threat match. Well, why wouldn't she wait until the end? Why wouldn't she do this? Why wouldn't she do that? There's a reason. Because triple threat matches are no disqualification, and that's what we needed for the end of this match. It became a triple threat match. Um, she came in with her MMA background, and the commentators were very quick to bring anybody that doesn't know up to speed that she's got this big MMA background, and she went for submission after submission after submission. There's your plot hole. If you want to say that there's a plot hole, there's your plot hole. If you're coming down with the intent of making something a triple threat match, don't do it with a submission game. The, the, the downfall of a triple threat match is it's very hard to get a submission in a triple threat match scenario, because there's always the third person there to break it up. It's not as simple as a three-second thing. Um, leg sweep DDT combo on both ladies by Roxanne Perez. It should be mentioned, Tatum Paxley tried to stop Lola Vice in the, in the entryway, because she's been stalking Lyra Valkyria, uh, and failed, pretty much. She got taken out on the outside. She failed. But when Roxanne Perez got the upper hand on things, took out Lola, hit Pop Rocks, or sorry, took out Lyra, hit Pop Rocks on Lola, was about to get the pin, and Tatum basically scurries across the ring like a cockroach and sort of tackles her out of the ring. Lyra doesn't really see it happen. She hits the Nightwish, which is her like modified Michinoku driver thing, and retains. Now, why does this work? It works because I'm pretty sure we're getting a four-way at Stand and Deliver, and everybody has their own reasons for, for everything. Lyra's going to be pissed off that she didn't get to prove herself against Roxanne Perez. Lyra's going to be pissed that that one-on-one -on -one opportunity was broken up by Lola Vice, and Lyra's going to be pissed that this person that's been stalking her and doing bad things on her behalf took out Roxanne Perez, giving Roxanne Perez more reason to be pissed. Roxanne Perez now has this anger management thing that she's got going for her. This is is going to set her off the deep end, and she's going to snap on everybody, and it's going to be awesome. Lola Vice 
is the newbie on the scene who won the breakout tournament, had that big moment, and now because of a fourth party, that opportunity is gone and wasted, and it is the equivalent of wasting a money in the bank briefcase. And Tatum Paxley is going to be going after... Tatum Paxley is either going to go after Roxanne and Lola because they're going after the person that she's like in love with or whatever, or she's going to get one final rejection by Lyra and there's going to be sort of a fatal attraction thing and she's going to turn her attention on her. So very rarely do you have a situation where all four members of a fatal four-way have their entry points, have their motivations, have their have their reasons to be there and it and it works. Sometimes you make a triple threat match or you make a fatal four-way because you don't really know what the one-on-one -on -one match was supposed to be. We had the one-on-one -on -one match, it was great. We threw the taggers on the end there. And now we have the actual structure to put a proper Fatal 4-Way together on a big stage. In an interview with uh, Ava, she's got no surname, she's The Rock's daughter, who's now the youngest ever general manager of NXT, she was asked how she thought tonight was going because it was her first PLE. She th said she thought it was going really great, the stars are really busting ass, etc. And we're already looking ahead to Stand and Deliver. And I don't know if this is true or not, but they said it on TV, so it's true in kayfabe. Apparently the ticket sales for Stand and Deliver are higher than any other NXT pay-per-view. Now, I don't know whether that's this iteration of NXT. I don't know whether that includes uh, takeovers. I was at both TakeOver Toronto's and they were pretty packed and stacked. But if that is true, that deserves to be celebrated. Because much like you know, TNA are bringing themselves back up. NXT is the other brand. You got TNA, you got NXT, and you got these two brands where, uh, yeah, they're kind of still kicking around, but nobody really gives a shit about them. Okay, listen to the pop that Trick Williams got on SmackDown. Listen to the pop that Jordan Grace and Roxanne Perez and Tiffany Stratton and people like that got on the, on the proper pay-per-view. People are watching these shows. People want to come to these shows. I think you could put them in bigger buildings than they're in. I really do. For for um, for NXT, you definitely could. For TNA, I hope they get there as well. I know this isn't a TNA um, podcast, but I'm just I'm just putting that out there as well. And we've seen. I'm sorry to say this, and I'm going to try and say this nicely. We've seen when bigger companies go into buildings that they can't fill, how that looks and how they have to modify the cameras and and fill up one side and then everybody's talking to the hard cam which means they're talking to empty seats and I won't mention AEW specifically but I could so the opposite side of that is plate p um brands that are running in smaller buildings this this show was smaller tonight than an episode of raw an episode of smackdown etc but it felt big uh TNA I hope they get there as well um but if they're doing if they're doing the bigger shows, like we're getting Heatwave in Toronto in Scotiabank Arena, it's the same place that's hosting Money in the Bank. It should feel as big as Money in the Bank if they're putting it in the same building. I don't know. Am I talking crazy? Um, bottom line is Ava's talking really good things about NXT. I hope they're true. I hope it's not just, hey, look at me. I'm the new boss. I'm doing a good job. But anyways, that was the only time we saw Ava tonight. We had some other some other sort of admin type stuff. We got a trailer or a, or some kind of video uh, for somebody new that's that's coming, and it was just scratchy text on screen. Scratchy text like the old WWF logo, actually. Um, 
And it said, a man has three faces, the face that everybody sees, the face that his family sees, and the face that he keeps to himself, because it reflects the evil that he possesses. No clue on who this is, no clue on when they're coming, but that's uh, that's some verbiage that'll get your attention. Uh, once again, I gotta throw it out to Twitter. The people that weren't being absolute toxic assholes on uh, Twitter slash X tonight, somebody put up a thing where this loosely sounds like a speech that Okada made like 10 years ago or some nonsense. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not Okada. You saw what they did with, with, uh, with Jade Cargill when they had her. I'm pretty sure if they had Okada, there would be a press release that says, holy fuck, TNA, or sorry, NXT or WWE have Okada. I don't think they're going to hide that. That's just my thing. Uh, they announced two more shows when we went back to commentary. The next elevated episode of NXT is March 5th, and it's going to be Roadblock. Now, I've got a soft spot in my heart for the Roadblock show. Roadblock was initially a WWE show. Now, the second WWE Roadblock was a proper pay-per-view. The first WWE Roadblock was in Toronto, and I was there. It's the only pay-per-view that I can think of that's been held at the Coca-Cola Coliseum back when it was called the Rico, because initially that was scheduled as a house show. That was scheduled as a house show. They didn't move venues. They just decided to make it a pay-per-view instead. That was when uh, Triple H was the champion, and we thought uh, maybe he was going to lose or drop the title to Dean Ambrose, and that didn't happen in the slightest. Um, but Roadblock, March 5th, it's going to be an elevated episode of NXT, and cool. And the next proper PLE after... Stand and Deliver is going to be Battleground, um, May 26th, and they, they specified when they were announcing the two shows, this one will be on Tuesday, keep in mind it's in a couple of weeks, blah, 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 this is our next proper PLE, Battleground, so they are making a distinction between the special shows that are elevated episodes of NXT, because they are, they are just elevated episodes of NXT that take place in the PC, they take place on Tuesdays, it's not a proper pay-per-view atmosphere, Battleground is coming May 26th, uh, we've got, there's a whole lot of ground to cover between now and then, so I don't know what to say about that. Obafemi versus Dragon Lee, Dragon Lee trying to get the North American Championship back, and holy shit, Buddy died a lot that's all I got. That's all I got. This this was a this was a February special. Obafemi is a beast. Dragon Lee was sort of the perfect wrestler to play the David in this David and Goliath situation. He had those few moments of hey, I slipped slipped a shot by you, but also Obafemi for the large portion of it was just swatting away a fly. The match ended with a toss bomb and then a pop-up power bomb and Obafemi getting the win and yeah. Um I wish I had more to say about this, but there's no stakes because we know Dragon Lee is on SmackDown. And we know sooner or later he's probably gonna get absorbed into the Legato versus LWO storyline, which is awesome. I want to see the guy succeed on the main roster, because again, the NXT audience is broadly positive, which is a good thing. Another thing I said when I started doing the WWE, or sorry, the NXT Rewind series was the early, especially the early, early takeovers, the ones that took place in Full Sail, the ones that took place at Barclay Center. You got the general idea that wrestling fans were coming there to have a good time, 
to praise what they see in front of you, not be the critical assholes that we are now. So new NXT, the way it is now, I guess NXT 3.0, um, sort of broadly the same thing. The accusation is, oh, everything's over in the PC, but that just means people are having a good time. That being said, I do want to see Dragon Lee in front of a bigger audience because I think he deserves it, and I do want to see him genuinely win over a more critical audience because I think he will do that as well when they decide what they're doing with him and whether he's in the LWO or just a buddy of Rey Mysterio's. I don't know what else to say. There were lots of skits throughout the night with JC Jane and Thea Hale selling the Chase U calendars, trying to save the school and all the stuff and all the burgeoning romance stuff between Thea Hale and Riley Osborne and Riley Osborne awkwardly asking Thea to be his Valentine and her awkwardly saying yes. And then Lexus King came around to be a slimy asshole and, uh, Riley Osborne and Lexus King had a brawl, so either we're going to see that this week on NXT, or they're going to save it and try to make it uh, sort of an undercard match for Stand and Deliver. These are two guys that just came out of the, uh, what do you call it? The breakout tournament. Yeah, I was talking about that a second ago. Um, so you want to take it and make it uh, look at how, how our process is working for people. I know they're not from the NIL. Uh, I mean, Brian Pillman Jr. is obviously not from the NIL. I don't know where Riley Osborne came from exactly, but as far as TV age, as far as NXT age, they've been there a couple of months. So throw them on Stand and Deliver in sort of an exhibition match with a little bit of the corny Chase U story behind uh, Riley Osborne and the super slimy 80s rock star aesthetic that Lexus King is trying to pull off and it'll be fun it'll be a lot of fun it'll be really campy but it'll also be sort of a show-off sort of an exhibition of hey these guys have only been here a couple of months and they're on the biggest show of the year check that shit out um I don't know how you get over the feeling of Stand and Deliver being sort of a midday show and sort of a warm-up for Wrestlemania but that's that's something you can't really avoid at this point now if SmackDown ever moves off of Friday, then they should put Stand and Deliver on Fridays, and then do the Hall of Fame in the afternoon on Saturday, and then do WrestleMania. But that's just me thinking out loud. In a totally different part of the arena, Roxanne Perez and Lola Vice are also brawling backstage. So, Roxanne Perez is going to start snapping on everybody, and I'm fucking here for it. Ilya Dragunov versus Trick Williams for the NXT Championship is your main event of the evening. Um, both of them, w w within a couple of shots of the match starting, have busted open each other's faces. I think Trick, uh, Trick Williams, for at least at, at the beginning, was bust busted open around the mouth. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, was busted open around the mouth, and Ilya Dragunov had his nose busted pretty damn quickly. And they said, even on commentary, as they were hitting each other, uh, when you train to be a wrestler, you train to clothesline somebody in the chest. These guys are clotheslining each other in the face. Um, that was a, that was a nip in that uh, happened more than once from uh, from Wade Barrett, and that's a good, it's a really good point. And if you want me to describe this match, I've got it in big capital letters and quotation marks on the sheet in front of me that you can't see because this is an audio platform. But that sheet says they just keep hitting each other. That's it. Yes, some of them were kicks, some of them were punches, some of them were suplexes and throws and shoves into the corner and shoves into the ground. But the bottom line is there was no catches catch can, there was no lucha libre or anything like that. It was a match of they just keep 
hitting each other. Um, at one point, Trick Williams hit a rock bottom off the apron to the floor, which didn't look very nice. On the outside, after Trick Williams gets sort of thrown into the steps, uh, Mello gets into his face because Mello's out there at the side with Trick Williams. And they argue, and it's really convoluted, and I, I, I can't quite forgive it because it does look so convoluted, but Ilya shoves Carmelo Hayes and Carmelo Hayes falls just in the right position to chop block Trick Williams' leg and then he oversells the concern etc, etc, etc Trick gets him back in the ring hobbling on one leg, he hits the H-bomb that sort of weird falling elbow thing that Ilya Dragunov does on Ilya Dragunov um, as they're fighting, they fight some more they fight some more Trick goes for a knee, he hits the ref, who's trying to get Carmelo Hayes out of there, so the ref is out, Carmelo Hayes is out. He hits another knee on Ilya, and this was awesome. This is how you know how over somebody is. Now, there's there's the cliche thing of, oh, he hit him with his, with his finishing move, and the referee wasn't there to see it. And always a couple of fans will do the count for the referee, since the referee's not there, oh, one, two, three, four, five, and it just eventually tails out. The crowd tonight chanting like loudly like I think they got to a count of about 11 before the next referee got in there and then when that referee only counted a two that ref got you suck chance ref you suck ref you suck ref you suck both men uh, collide in the middle once everything gets up and going again because now technically Mello has cost him the match twice on a third time when Trick uh, was uh, laid out on the outside. Mello gets him back up to his feet and gives him this hug, but he doesn't really let go of the hug at first, so the speculation online, and I'm sure it's probably true, is that he was trying to get Trick accidentally counted out, but that didn't happen either. Both men get back in the ring. Both men sort of, like, sink into their corners and run at each other to do something, like Trick was going for another kick, and Torpedo... Um, Ilya Dragunov was going for a Torpedo Moscow, but Torpedo Moscow is what hits and the kick is what misses. So Ilya gets the win. Carmelo Hayes hopping in the ring, helping his buddy, helping him, like holding him, like hugging him right close to the chest. And, you know, you were so close. You were so close. We got this. It's just you and me. It's just you and me. We're going to make it. We're going to bounce back from this. We're going to be, we're going to be running this place soon. Da -da -da -da. And then he lets him go. Trick takes one step forward. Mello takes one step back. <laughs> Basically grows himself a little cartoon villain mustache. Twirls it a couple of times. Chop blocks uh, Trick in the back of the leg on purpose this time, I guess you'd say. Then he gets a chair. And then he just goes to town on Trick's leg. With First of all... You know those those shots that they do with the chair where they're holding the bottom of the feet and they staple basically the chair straight down into the kneecap and then they go to the regular like swinging shots and it's like um he's like you did this you know it was supposed to be us and da 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 and then he opens up the chair sets the chair over his leg sits down and says you can barely hear it because the sound wasn't up on the camera very much but he says this was supposed to be us but there can only be one and I am him. Now, before the beatdown, they did the Triple H trick, the post-credit killer uh, Tommaso Ciampa thing, where they put the, the signature up in the corner to, uh, basically to make you think the show was over, but they've done it so many times now, the signature in the corner definitely means the show is not over. But the show does end with loud, raucous, fuck you, mellow chants, which is not something you always get in WWE. You get, you, you suck, you, you know, go fuck yourself, whatever. Um... 
but you don't get the the genuine like deep in the throat, deep in the chest, you know, this guy can fuck himself. This is when when Roman beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania and came out and told the world that it was his yard now when he was still a babyface and he got, like, five straight minutes of fuck you Roman chance. Well, Mello got fuck you Mello chance. And this, this will be, I don't know whether it's going to be for a title, probably not. This is your headline match for Stand and Deliver. I said a, uh, a while ago, before we found out that CM Punk got injured, if they go with Cody Rhodes versus CM Punk, you make that the main event. Get the titles out of there. Uh, that's the one match they could do that is bigger than the titles, bigger than Roman's streak, bigger than boosting the new World Heavyweight title, bigger than the Rumble, bigger than anything else. Those two, for a lot of reasons, having a match at WrestleMania, you make that the main event, 100%. Now, on a very much smaller scale, there is nothing in NXT right now that is built as much as the implosion of Trick and Mellow. So what they've told you is get stand and deliver because you're going to see Carmelo Hayes versus Trick Williams in the main event. I actually, I actually hope they don't muddy the waters by adding a title to it, which is a really funny thing to say. But I'm excited because look at what we've got so far. Sorry, going back to a previous page here. Don't mind the rustling. Don't mind the rustling. Um, you're probably going to get the Wolf Dogs versus the family at Stand and Deliver. That'll be a fun mix. As I say, give us another round of... Uh, Dijak and Gacy in some kind of weird stepped up match. If we get Roxanne versus Lyra versus Lola versus Tatum, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, throw throw a lot of weapons into that match as well. It'll be fine. Obafemi is going to kill somebody, I'm sure. Um, I don't know if they put a Heritage Cup match on the card, but no Dar and the metaphor even just showing up on uh, on the kickoff to do, uh, to do a... Uh, Heritage Cup match there could be could be fun for the kickoff crowd. I have no idea who you line up for Ilya Dragunov in the NXT Championship at this point. Um, but like I say, Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes is bigger than the title, so that's going to be your main event. That's what I'm predicting. Anyway, I'm predicting you get this in a much bigger building, whatever the building is where they're doing uh, stand and deliver, and I'm I bet you could hear those fuck you mellow chants all night. You might, I don't know, maybe get Carmelo Hayes to open up the show by cutting a really scathing promo, like, you know, stay tuned later on, I'm going to take out your boy type thing, save the trick pop for later, obviously. But the show stood good on its own. There was a couple of hiccups here or there because it's NXT. you got to kind of allow for that. But if this was your big banner, if this was your big advertisement to get everybody ready for WrestleMania weekend on the NXT side of things, then it definitely, definitely did its job. And I had a lot of fun with this show tonight. Let me know what you guys think down in the box below. I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to you guys later. But for right now, I'm